Welcome to Arbor Bridge Church's weekly podcast with your teacher, Daryl Canty. Arbor Bridge Church exists to bridge the gospel and our community by connecting people to Jesus and each other. Visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com. Um, Jesus had just finished um, uh, teaching that in order to enter the kingdom of heaven, uh, each of us have to become like children. Um, uh, he, he's just finished saying that when a young adult runs up to him and asks, what must I do to enter, you know, to inherit eternal life? Which I think is interesting, the timing of, of this man coming up to him. And this is a great question. What, what must I do to, to, to inherit eternal life? It's a question we should ask ourselves. Um, it's, it's a question we should be prepared to answer if someone asks us that question. Um, Jesus had just finished explaining you know, humility, simplicity, hopefulness that you trust you see in children. Into that conversation, burst this guy with the, you know, this question, what must I do to inter- inherit internal life? So last week I shared the idea that um, we believe, you know, we believe that everyone's going to heaven. Um, or, or we like to believe that. Um, some of us actually believe it intellectually. Um, and if we don't believe it intellectually, we, we believe it with our lives. Um, our approach to sharing Christ with others. Uh, we, like, we, like, we like the idea of everyone's going to heaven and our lack of urgency uh, reflects that. Um, you know, to share the gospel or to pray for the lost. Um, and if, if I was honest with you, and I, I, I was honest with you last week, I mean, um, and I told you, I, I hope it's true. I hope it's true. I hope that everyone gets to go to heaven. But that's not what Jesus says. So, we, we, we talked about Jesus' urgency in the gospel. Does it make sense if everyone's going to heaven? So last week we said um, some, some of us have thought that in order to inherit eternal life, um, you have to be ignorant of God um, or you, you, you can be ignorant of God. And we, we said that people go to heaven based on ignorance of Christ. And we, we talked about how if we follow that train of thought, though it doesn't make much sense. If you follow it to, it, to, the, to its end, that means that if you're ignorant of God and I share Christ with you, then I've now just increased your likelihood of going to hell. Uh, if going to heaven is based on our ignorance, then the worst thing we can do is to, is to share Christ with people. Last week, we, we also said that you have, you, you have to be good. You know, you have to be good to inherit eternal life. Um, and if that's true, we need to figure out who determines good. Who gets to decide what, what good means? And when, when, I, when I say good, typically I mean, you know, I'm trying to refer to some standard of good. I think that I'm a good person, and so I'm going to heaven. So, you know, what does that mean? Um, in, an informal, in an informal poll done by USA Today, it's reported that 72% of Americans believe they're going to heaven, but they're not sure about their neighbor. I, I think that's interesting, <laughs> all right? Uh, clearly there's like this, this pride or this blindness that allows us to think, I'm going to heaven, but I'm not sure about you. <laughs> and, I, and it's like, I'm good compared to you. <laughs> and the judgment side of us won't allow us to let, you know, for other people to go to heaven. Um, our measurement of, of what's good is typically I'm good according to ourselves and what, what other people look like, which doesn't make much sense. When you follow that thinking to the end. And we talked about this a little bit last week. Lots of times our worldview, we, we, we have this worldview of all kinds of things, but we never, we don't follow the thinking to the end to, to see, oh, wait, does that really make sense? 
One example about being good, going to heaven. Uh, can you think and live like women have less value than men and still go to heaven? Like, if if we weren't in church and this, you know, you, you knew I'm not steady, you know, Daryl's probably setting me up. So, uh, if if I was just you were on the street and someone said, "Yeah, can you go to heaven?" If you you know if you had to be good to go to heaven. Can you think and live like women have less value than men and still go to heaven? And in our culture, we say that's a bad person. You know, you're, you're bad. But two to 3,000 years ago, right? Two to 3,000 years ago, nearly every male thought this and they convinced nearly every woman that this was true. So many of, and many of them would have assumed that they were good. Like, I'm a good guy. You're like, what about your wife? Oh, she's... <laughs> Many of you guys know it's relatively recent that women could even have credit cards or have a bank account. So does that mean that all the guys in the past who thought that and lived like that didn't get to go to heaven? So if that's true, if that's true, if that's true, then a super urgent question that we should be asking ourselves is what thinking does our culture have now that we're blind to that whatever 200 years from now they'll look back at us and be like what in the world were those guys doing that we just don't we're just not aware of we're just not aware of we should figure that out if we got to be good to go to heaven if you have to be good to go to heaven then who measures who's good and who's not so listen to this As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one's good except God alone. If you read the Gospels very much, you know that people ask Jesus questions And he doesn't answer the question. He does it all the time. He addresses what's going on behind the question. The question that the man is asking is, is, you know, what good thing do I need to do in order to earn eternal life? And clearly, you know, that's not the right question. There's a question that reveals a misunderstanding of who Jesus is or how this works. Um, it, it's like, it's like if during the civil rights movement, many, you know, many people were asking, you know, what do we, what, what do we need to do to, to make the black people calm down and, and to, to just, you know, how, how do we, that's the wrong question. That's not the right question. The, the trouble with questions, when, when we ask questions like that, is we, we often we don't know. We don't realize we're asking, we're not asking the right kind of question that should be asked. The man's asking Jesus what kind, you know, this kind of question that, that contains some, some wrong assumptions. So instead of answering the question, Jesus calls into question the man's inadequate understanding of goodness. Now, I wonder, I wonder if Jesus will call into question my definition of goodness. Or our, you know, our, the way that we, we define goodness. In the absolute sense of goodness, only God is good. Throughout the scripture, you know, that the, this idea is repeated. You know, God alone is good. Uh, this is in Psalm 118. It says, give thanks to the Lord. For he is good. His love endures forever. 
That's the first verse of the chapter. And then the rest of the chapter just breaks out this, you know, I needed help. Um, and I trusted in humans and, and I needed help and I trusted in princes and, and I needed help. And I tried to build up all this money and, I, and the nations and all these people and they failed me. But the Lord saved me. And even in being disciplined, I had to be disciplined by the Lord. And, and you know, it goes through all these things and then it ends, it ends the whole chapter with this. It ends with, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. I'm going to take a little liberty um, with what the Bible says. You know, give me permission to do that. Uh, and I'm going to say what he thinks. I'm going to add something here. I think he means this. Give thanks to the Lord. For he alone is good. He's the only one could have saved me. His love endures forever. And I feel pretty good about making that, that addition. You know, because... Jesus confirms that in our story today when he says, no one, no one, no one is good except God alone. Jesus said, Jesus won't allow, you know, for anything other than God's will to determine what's good. Let me say that again. Jesus won't allow for anything other than God's will to determine what's good. So let me ask this and and don't be mad. Don't be mad, please. Is that what you do? When, you de- when you're determining what's good, when you're determining what's right, when you're trying to figure out what's right, do you count on God's will to figure it out? Or do you do like what I do, you know, you go with your gut, what feels right to you? Or com- you're good compared to my friends or your coworkers or celebrities? Uh, Clearly, we can see based on our history how dangerous it is to determine what's good based on our made-up definitions or based on comparing ourselves to others and the like. Uh, you, Jesus questions the man's assumptions about what's good. And he says this. Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God. And I, 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 and I, wanted, to, I wanted to highlight this and just pause for just a second. Um, when Jesus responds this way, to the man, he's not saying that he's not God. Um, he's challenging one of the assumptions that the man has come to the question with. The man, the man, the, the man only thinks that Jesus is a good teacher. When he comes to Jesus, he says, good teacher. And Jesus is saying, if that's who you think I am, then why do you call me good? Only God is good. Are you saying that I'm God? After laying that groundwork, Jesus goes on and answers the question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? By saying this to the man, he says, you know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Which I... <laughs> when I read this, I'm thinking, oh, you, this is a setup. This is... <laughs> Verse 20, teacher, he declared, all these things I've kept since I was a boy. And Jesus looked at him and loved him. I love that the author includes this little subtle, Jesus looked at him and loved him. 
I mean, I, I don't, I don't know what, what kind of thing that, you know, Jesus is doing there. If Jesus, he appreciates, he's like, oh, you're, you're trying so hard. <laughs> you're, or, or, uh, or it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, I love you. Um, and, uh, I'm going to have to tell you something really hard. The fact that the author pauses to say it, though, is meaningful for all of us. And I think it's this. This wasn't some random dude to Jesus. This, it was a child of his father who needs eternal life. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Uh, that, 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 that we could do that for every person that we interact with. Let's just, just, I'll just pause, just pause for a second and, and think of the most irritating person you had to, you had to interact with this week. If it was me, don't tell me. Uh, they were doing that thing, that irritating thing. You know, maybe you didn't do this, but let's just imagine. They were doing the irritating thing. Then you looked at them. And you loved them. Father, I pray we can do that more. In this conversation, the young man assumes that he's been keeping all the rules that Jesus mentions. All the rules that, that, that need to be kept in order to be good. Some of you guys know that in, in some of Jesus' previous messages, he introduces some very difficult uh, ideas for understanding the Ten Commandments. Um, he says things like... Um, the command says not to murder, but I'm telling you, don't be angry with your brother or you're going to be subject to judgment. He says, the command says, don't commit adultery, but I'm saying, if you even look at a woman lustfully, then you've already committed adultery with her in, her, in, um, in your heart. Apparently, this man hadn't heard that part of Jesus' sermon uh, because Jesus introduces all these, all these rules from the Ten Commandments, and he's like, that's baby stuff. I've been doing that since I was a kid. What else is there? And the young man obviously stands in stunning contrast to those who, you know, according to, to Jesus, the kingdom belongs. Um, he, this conversation has started with, you know, People who are trusting and hopeful and simple, like children. Have I become that? Let me be honest about this. In church, when I when I read, uh, when I go to church, or, or when I read stories of of like the rich man and uh, you know this young rich man, I've read it. I've read it so many times. I've read it so many times. I want to say, I know, I know, I know, I know. It's I know it's by faith that I get to go to heaven. Um, it's entrusting Jesus. That's the. I know. I've heard this one before. I was talking with a young man the other day, and he was like, yeah, I, I just, I'm not, I don't go to church anymore because every time I go, I've already heard it before. <sighs> That's in me. That's in me, too. Here's the thing if I know so much, though, why, why does worries come so naturally to me? 
If I, if I know so much, why does fear come so naturally to me? If I'm, if I'm so sure of trusting Christ is like the key to the good life, then why does trusting in my own strength come so naturally to me? If I've heard this one before, right? No, no, I know, I know, I know, I heard this one. Maybe I don't know the truth as well as I think I do. I need to be reminded. So the young man's asking Jesus, give me a, give, tell me what to do. What can I do so I can make sure that I have eternal life? Um, and I wonder if this young man is what we would call like a, I wonder, if, the Bible doesn't tell us, but I wonder if he's like a, a self-made man. Like, like he came from like poverty and he was like, you know, able to work his way up to the top. You know, like, like if you guys have ever heard like Oprah's story, Oprah came from like nothing and now she's like, you know, a billionaire, something, you know, something like that. I wonder if he's like that, which is awesome. It's great. I mean, the, 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 the trouble that they've been through and to come on on top is awesome. The, the, the thing that I find when, when, I, when I meet with people like that, and, and it's, this is in me too, um, is this. You can be fooled. In the thinking that you can muscle your way through any and every problem that comes in life, including your, your rightness with God. You can be fooled into thinking that. Or... You know, you think that you can get God to go along with your plan, do what you want him to do. From the moment that the young man asked the question, Jesus was leading him. He's leading him on this path. And I'd love for you just, I mean, this, this, uh, this, this story is, is told a few different times in different, different contexts. Love for you to read it on your own and you can see Jesus leading him down a path toward an arrival. And it's, it's a good, it's a, it's a, it's just a, it's a good story. It's a good way. He's just, he's leading him toward, you know, uh, confessing his confidence in his own righteousness. He, he's leading him toward, you know, the point of this whole thing. It's, it, 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 so Jesus keeps, he, 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 uh, he, he, Jesus says, keep the 10 commandments and that's the key to eternal life, which again, you know, if you heard Jesus say that, I isolate, you'd be like, what are you, what? <laughs> Jesus like, just hold on. Just hold on. Jesus says, keep the Ten Commandments. That's the key to eternal life. And the man responds by saying this. Teacher, he declared, I've done all those things since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor. and You'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Then come follow me. And there it is. There it is. The thing that you use to build your trust around, get rid of it. Get rid of it. Some Christians throughout the years have taken this verse or taken this story and they've tried to apply it to all Christians. They try to say, okay, all the Christians, we all have to do this. And I mean, there are groups of people who, act, who live like this. And again, you know, God's called them to do that. Good for them, but they try to apply it to all of us. And I think it's a mistake. It's a misread of what Jesus is trying to do here. Um, 
Jesus looks at him and loves him. And he's saying, your money is coming between you and me. Get rid of it. I think Jesus, Jesus would have done this differently with each of us. He would have done this differently with each of us. Um, he, he, he might have he said, he, to one of you, he might have said, get rid of your streaming services. It's coming between me and you. Get rid of all of them. And then come follow me. Uh, to, to some of you, you know, he, he might have said, the one thing you lack is you need to adopt some children. I, I, I want you to adopt children and come follow me. I, I'm not sure what, what he would have said to you, but I think that he would have, he would have said it differently to each of us. And, and, and I want, I'd love for you to think about this. If you were the man or if you were the person in the story, what would he have said to you? He looked at you. He loved you. And then he says that specific thing to you. What would it be? What do you need to start? What do you need to stop? I What's that thing? What's the one thing that you lack as keeping distance between you and Jesus? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Jesus knew. He knew that that man could not do what he was asking him to do. He knew he couldn't do it. His whole life, he'd been working hard and showing off and doing the thing. If I work hard enough, I can do it. And Jesus says, I'm going to bring up something I know you can't do. You won't be able to do it. And in that moment, the only thing he had, I can't do that. Would you help me? I can't do that. I need you. That. That's the response that he needed. It was only going to be by the power of the Holy Spirit that he could do that. And trust in Jesus. That was going to be able to make him do it, be able to do that. You know what I mean? You know, imagine that. I mean, imagine being or interacting with some guy and saying that that's, that's what you need to do. Not, not, you're like, I can't do that. <laughs> Jesus wants to deal with, with the thing in our lives that keeps us from trusting him. So what's that thing? What's that thing? What would you have to begin to do, You start doing, or what would you have to get rid of to have an undivided loyalty and a full-hearted obedience to Christ? I, I love that phrase. and I, I came across that phrase in a commentary I was reading, just getting ready for this. Undivided loyalty and full-hearted obedience to Christ. What would you have to begin doing? What would you have to get rid of to have undivided loyalty and full-hearted obedience to Christ? So um, as we begin to prepare for communion today, that's a, this is this great question for us to all meditate on. Um, uh, I, I need to confess or say to you out loud this. Um, so 
my, my daughter is back there doing a great job putting the verses on the screen because I forgot to load my slides onto, uh, onto the computer. Um, so thank you. Yep. Woo. Yep. Uh, I, I had a super great slide for you to look at this question on, and now you don't get to see it. Uh, here's the question. I'll repeat. What would you have to begin doing or to get rid of to have undivided loyalty and full-hearted obedience to Christ? Communion is a time during our worship service where we meditate on the life and the death and resurrection of Jesus and what our response would be to that. Uh, we should always respond. Um, we should always respond to that. We should always have some response to that. Montina and I were, were meeting with some friends uh, who were just struggling with the idea of Christ. And we were sharing with them the resurrection of Christ. Isn't, I mean, if that's true, wouldn't that be powerful? Wouldn't that be? And their response to that was, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think it would change my life at all. It was, it was breathtaking to us. Except sometimes that's how I, in real life, I respond to the resurrection of Christ. If Jesus really rose from the dead, I think it's, it's not too, uh, too bold for us to ask the question, what will we have to begin doing or get rid of to have undivided loyalty and full-hearted obedience to Christ? Let's pray together and then uh, take some time to think about that. Dear Father, there are there is so much of this this young man in each of us uh, where we want to do things on our own, and like Chris was saying, we don't want we don't like to receive help, um, and we we think we can we think we can do it without without help. We need your help at every stage of anything. Um, and so I just pray that you would do a couple things for us right now. Um, whatever amount of faith we can muster, uh, whatever amount of faith that we can come up with, help us to be willing or help us to answer this question of how we have undivided loyalty and full-hearted obedience to you. What do we need to start? What do we need to get rid of? Um, I pray that you would show that to each of us. You look at each one of us and love us just like you love that young man. Um, I pray that you would communicate with us the way you communicated with him. Get down to the bottom of things. And I pray that when you do, instead of walking away like the young man did, that we would, we would stay engaged with you. Even if we're afraid even if we're not sure, even if we still have doubts, even if we're like, ah, yeah, I, don't, I just, I don't want to. Um, I pray that my want of you, though, is bigger than my, the, the, the idea that I don't want to do what you say. Or I don't want to have to go through what you're calling me to. But I do want you. So I pray that you would take the little bit of whatever each of us have 
and you'd make beautiful things out of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information on our church, visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com.